The Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. Hello, thanks a million. Uh, welcome to the first panel. Uh, guys, thanks a million for participating. Uh, I see we have, if I ask any challenging questions, we have one opportunity each to phone a friend. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Victor, Seamart uh, uh, has been now over 20 years working at the frontier of ocean knowledge and innovation. Uh, perhaps let's start by giving an overview of CMAR um, and how CMAR is making a difference in the national research and innovation landscape here in Portugal. Thank you very much. First of all, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, thank you, Arnold. It's a pleasure to be here. We are neighbors uh, who live by the sea. And in fact, CMAR is a not for profit private research center. We were created in 2000. We are quite young, I would say. Um, we are associated with, with the University of Porto and the Polytechnic of Porto, but we, has, we have also some associated uh, companies like Sonai, uh, Soja Portugal, and some other companies that give us also the hint for the co-creation of research and innovation. So CIMAR um, has about uh, 500 researchers uh, altogether. Our headquarters are in the cruise ship terminal here in Matosinho, so we moved seven years ago, uh, which makes more sense because we want to understand, first of all, the functioning of the ocean, the old aspects from the physical oceanography to the chemistry of the ocean, biodiversity, and we study from the bacteria to the whale. We have the whole range of, of organisms. But then we also want to understand what are the main stressors of the ocean, because uh, nowadays most of the pollution that arrives to the ocean comes from land, and we have to understand those impacts in order to provide mitigation measures. On the other side, we have two other research lines that deal mostly with application of the knowledge that we have. One of them is aquaculture, taking into account that Portugal is one of the countries that consume more fish and shellfish, and the fisheries are more or less stabilized since the 80s. So aquaculture needs to rise to provide food to a growing population. And we want to do it in a sustainable way. So we want to create the whole value chain of aquaculture from knowing the organisms we want to culture, the genomics, the best uh, feed that we have to produce in order to be sustainable, not just economically, but also from the point of view of the environment, uh, creating feed that can provide uh, protection of, of the organisms in order to avoid antibiotics. Um, and then the whole value chain, because being here in, in Matosinhos, we have the canning, the fish canning, which is a very important industry still, uh, which has been renovated, and we want also to provide solutions to this industry. And the third main line is uh, marine biotechnology, uh, because we want also to get from the ocean. We want to exploit the ocean in a sustainable way, getting the best natural solutions the ocean can provide. We work, for instance, with the marine cyanobacteria, which are organisms more than 3.56 billion years of age. And they have uh, a lot of information that we can now use to produce new antibiotics, new paints, new cosmetics, etc. So CIMAR is positioned in, in, in this way. So we want to provide knowledge. We want also to advance to innovation. That's why the, the is very important. We provide support to academia in order to uh, host students for PhD and master students. 
uh, in a very international uh, environment, we have more than 38 nationalities at, at CIMAR, so we can attract a lot of, of people from, from abroad. Um, we want to support public policies because that's all, also one of our aims. And, and also we want to uh, have a, a strong mark in terms of ocean literacy because we still need that people understand uh, what is the ocean because most people go to the beach and they don't understand what's after the water. So we want to come they take part of that. And together with the municipality of Matuzingos, we have a strong ocean literacy program that yearly uh, hold, impacts more or less 150,000 people a year. So these are more or less the main uh, areas that we are dealing with and that we later probably can explain a bit more. Yeah, in relation to, uh, you mentioned uh, somewhat depressingly that you know the major, one of the major challenges that the ocean has is coming from land. Um, Fernando, maybe do you want to expand on that, the challenges that are coming in terms of, you know, the issues that the, that the ocean faces from, uh, from our own wrongdoings here on land? Yeah, with pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation uh, to Arno and uh, to John Paul to be here and to participate in this ocean conference um, uh, and try to share with you some of my experience on uh, the conception and design of small submarines for research and for tourism, basically. Uh, it's amazing, I'd like to start by that. It's amazing to uh, uh, listen to Victor and to understand how things evolved in the last, let's say, 40 years. And I started my, my research activity, my professorship uh, career. Uh, I had to go abroad, as uh, many others of my generation, to make my uh, post-graduation study. Now we have in Portugal a very sound uh, research system that is able to produce very sound, uh, very high quality uh, results of uh, research. And uh, well, it's, it's amazing to see the difference and I'm very happy with this. Um, uh, actually, I'm very proud to say it. Uh, the main achievement of my generation was this, this uh, possibility that we had to create this, this uh, new research system that definitely wasn't there 40 years ago. Um, and this is key for what we are talking about here, because this is key for the uh, creation of what we call uh, economy of knowledge. Uh, it's part of it, it's not the whole thing, but it's essential, it's part of it. We have to move forward and to, go, and to do better and better. Um, well, uh, the main goal of the, the next generation will be to continue this path, but also to, to move it forward, to, to be able to, to do better and to uh, do the things that, only, that are only outlined now. I mean, uh, matching, um, uh, putting together the uh, university and the companies the uh, academia and the uh, entrepreneurs, the uh, research and the industry. It's very uh, important for our future and for the creation of uh, an economy of knowledge. Well, this is the stage of our development, and this is key for the next generation, in my opinion. This is one of the key points, the turning points in what we are, and it is very important in the presentation. Um, in fact, the weakest component of our system of innovation today, when it comes to the moment uh, of reflecting 
to the outside world, to the real world, the results that we create uh, in our laboratories, um, is to create economic wealth with them. And for that, uh, in my opinion, this is the, the, the bottleneck of our current uh, economic development status, uh, the lack of collaboration between those two realities that have to be resolved. I spent myself many years of my life trying to call attention to this problem. And uh, um, when I step out of my second mandate as a, a rector of my university, I realized that I, I was uh, um, not old enough to thinking of retirement, but I was neither, uh, it was not neither possible for me to resume my previous research activities because I, I had left, that, that I had left, uh, let's say 13 years ago, uh, without uh, uh, continuing reading the papers and the books and, and, uh, and following the research. So when I step out, uh, it was not possible to, to resume, to come back to the same point that I had left, had, had lived. And, and, uh, and, and, and start again. So, um, uh, when I found myself in times of trouble, I, I didn't come to Mother Mary, neither did, did she come to me. Uh, I decided to, to do other things and to start and to, to, to devote myself and my working time to, the, to what we call the third mission of the university. I started a company in 2012 and aiming to um, develop, um, conceive, to project, to produce, and to sell, possibly, um, uh, nautical devices. And we start to um, choose uh, two different ways, two different paths, complementary paths. Um, the first one is, a, sure. yeah, the first one, please. Come on. The first one is a family of floating houses. This one is not very far from us. It is located in Rivadoro, uh, near the Carapatelo Dam, actually in Caldas de Uh We produced a dozen of, of these units uh, all over the world. Uh, it's interesting, they are not very much, but they were uh, produced and assembled in four different continents. And it's amazing the experience you get on uh, uh, being uh, on a seashore, on a resort in Zanzibar, uh, uh, in a completely different environment and to, uh, to, to, to assemble when, when you need like this. As well, in, the, in the, a small lake nearby China, uh, nearby Beijing in China, as well in a narrow, very narrow uh, valley in the center of France, as well in other places in the United States as well. So um, the second product we did uh, was the conception of a small submarine. Um, uh, we wanted it to be the smallest of its kind, aiming to uh, take two persons inside and to dive up to 300 meters <clears throat> for missions up to eight hours of duration, plus 96 hours in emergency. We wanted it to be certified. Um, uh, we wanted it to be the smallest, as I told you, uh, in its class. Uh, in the case of a submarine, unlike a boat, um, the weight uh, is not an independent variable. When it is decided the volume, you have the weight because of the Archimedes principle. I know that 
<laughs> I think that anyone is, is aware of it. So the weight is not an, a very important issue. Well, it is a very important issue, but it's not an indeterminate variable. When you decide the, the volume, you have the weight. So uh, small submarine means light submarine. And this is important for the fact it is for its transportability, but also for the size, for the smaller size of the support vessel we need to operate it. We call it whale two, two for two persons. Uh, the propulsion uh, is provided by two horizontal thrusters and two vertical electric thrusters. Uh, all the energy needed uh, is uh, concentrated in uh, is stored in, in the two groups of batteries, actually three, two main groups and one emergency group uh, with a total of, let us say, 30 uh, kilowatt hour. Uh, vertical movements in the water column are also controlled by a set of uh, electric uh, valves. Um, all the critical systems are redundant. This is very important. The, I would like to discuss it if I have time. Uh, innovation and certification are very often contradictory, very difficult to cross, to, 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 to put together. When we, we talk of innovation, the certifying bodies are not very proud of, very happy. Because innovation means that they don't have anything written about this yet, so they cannot certify. And so this is a, a very tense uh, relation that we have to, 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 to manage. Uh, certi uh, certification is a must when it comes to, to marketing the submarine, to, to sell a, a device like this. It's, it's crucial, it's important, and yet um, certification um, um, limits your possibility of uh, improving it, of uh, introducing innovation. This discussion was very pleasant recently with the disaster of the, of the submarine in North Atlantic Sea. What is, how, how far away are, you, are the concepts in terms of like production and something like this becoming a reality? Well, this is, uh, uh, yeah, it's one of the issues. Um, at a certain moment of, our, of, of, of the life of the, of, the, of the company, I took the wrong decision. Uh, I, I noticed that the submarine was a, a challenging thing. Uh, actually, I, I chose the, the submarine because it, I thought it was not enough difficult for me to be impossible to do it, but uh, enough difficult to be a challenge. So uh, it, it was a thing that I, I thought and I think it is important for our Portuguese environment that are pretending to develop our uh, economic zone uh, in the sea, and we don't have technological means to do it. So I think it is important for us not to be dependent uh, on other countries to develop our own territory, to develop such, such devices, not only manned submarines, but also <coughs> ROVs and, and other things. It's exciting. I was saying, uh, I've said to Fernando, he had some trouble with portal traffic this morning. He needed that to come up the coast. <laughs> he would have got here a lot quicker. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of in terms of submarines, I mean, it's fascinating. I definitely want the first one, the little two-seater. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is fascinating about our obsession with, like, 
uh, exploring specifically like hundreds of thousands of euros being spent, dark dollars being spent to send people now to the moon and, you know, uh, tourism, that side of tourism where there's like the ocean is there right in front of us and we seem to know so little about it. And um, going, back, going back to your, your, your point, uh, Vitor, in terms of, uh, I think it's so exciting about, you know, your development on the RD side with the, with the submarines, but bringing it back and hopefully we can fit, finish on a positive later in the conversation. But coming back to your point about um, the, the challenges that, the, that, that we bring to the ocean, unfortunately, uh, Vitor, um, you said that it comes from land, you know, maybe just expanding on that, because I think, uh, as I think you mentioned, Arnold, we're all drawn to the ocean. You know, people want to live beside the ocean. Everything about water sports in Ireland during the pandemic, uh, our coasts, all went up through the roof in value with people wanting to live beside the sea. So we know there's a draw to the ocean, but we probably don't know an awful lot about, certainly we don't know about the, the negative impact that we're having on the oceans. So maybe do you want to expand on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the negative impact nowadays is more easy to see because we face it whenever we go to the beach and the sea is rising slowly or the, the temperature is rising. Uh, I mean, if you go to the beach nowadays, Today, uh, we have 19 degrees of temperature in the ocean, which is completely weird here in Matosinhos. It should be 13, 14. And this causes the global warming, causes a lot of problems, not just at local environment, but at the uh, I mean, world environment, because this changes everything. I mean, for us, it's very nice to go to a beach uh, in Zanzibar, uh, where the water temperature can be 25 or 30 degrees, but the organisms that live there are adapted to those temperatures. While here in Portugal, the organisms are not adapted to this rise of temperature, which is quite dramatic. And what happens is that many of them simply move north. That could be good for Ireland because you will have uh, more, more species that we are used to see here in, in Portugal. And that happens with fish, for instance, which means that probably we'll have to move further uh, away from the shore to fish what we are interested in. And this causes, of course, economical problems. Uh, but there are many species like algae that cannot move, many of them. And here in Matuzinhos is the southern limit of the big kelp forests that come from the north of Europe and ended here. And what is happening, and we are seeing that with our research, is that the forests are receding to the north. And uh, this is a problem because the forests harbor a lot of biodiversity. For instance, the fish that we are interested in, in eating, or the crayfish, or, or all the animals that we, we fish and we capture, they depend on these marine forests. So this is a huge problem that we have to solve at the at global scale. So the measures that we are, and we have to take to decrease this slow increase of temperature are crucial, especially for temperate countries like, like Portugal. Uh, and this also uh, causes uh, invasive species. So species that we are not used to have here that are from tropical waters that come to our waters. Many of them come in ballast waters of ships and then they install in our waters and they most of the times as they don't have predators, they replace our common fauna. Uh, so global changes are one of the major issues that we should 
contact with, with the world of, of care. And of, for that, we need instrumentation, of course, submarine sensors. This is very important nowadays. Uh, to understand the ocean, uh, we have to be in large scale. We have to have the sensors, have the spatial images, have this, the satellite images. Uh, but of course, uh, other problems are arising also from our activities in land, as I mentioned before. Uh, more than 90% of the plastics that we use come from land. Even this weekend, I was walking along the shore of the River Douro, and it is impressive to see how many plastics are still present. Uh, it looks like we are in the third country, which means that people are not aware that plastics, as many other things, should be recycled, should, should not be put in, 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 the normal, in the normal garbage. And the plastics are a problem, not just those that we can see, which of course in aesthetic terms are, are, are important, but also the microplastics, which are very tiny plastics that are usually degraded by, by organisms and by time. And this can be very problematic because they can make the, the turn of food for many organisms and they, they are ingesting plastic instead of nutrients. And with that, of course, they can die. But also plastics can um, absorb toxicants, many toxicants that most of the times can be floating in the, in the water. And if they are uh, absorbed in, in, in the plastics, then they can be taken up by organisms and rise the chain until it reaches. So we can be eating not just plastics, but also toxicants. So there is a urgent need to decrease the, the reach of plastics to the ocean. Because uh, as you know, there are many uh, surges, many in, 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 the, in the ocean where there are tons of plastic circulating. Uh, we need to stop that now because the ones that we have already in the ocean are really, really bad. And then uh, there is now the controversial issue of mining, deep sea mining, which is also probably causing a lot of uh, impacts that we already we don't know yet. But will uh, probably uh, impact not just the deep sea chains, but also all the uh, trophic chains that are related. We like to eat swordfish. Many of the fish that we eat are coming from deep sea, uh, deep sea ocean. <laughs> and uh, if we start doing that without the proper mitigation measures, we will cause a, a lot of it. So there are a lot of pressures. There are a lot of stressors. We, all, we need to know them but then we also need to provide mitigation measures. And I, I think that's where science and innovation uh, has a, a huge role. Fortunately, now we have more tools. Uh, we have uh, a lot of interested and enthusiastic human resources. Uh, and so I think we are on a good way, but we need to stop all these stressors. Otherwise, uh, the ocean is not anymore something that deludes everything. And uh, we, it's starting to throw us back things that we are throwing and in terms like globally and in the 20 years of seymour have you seen you know are you positive about the you know the attention that the ocean's getting globally is that a coordinated response the eu's uh, position uh, is there like is there an area of the world that's actually leading in terms of like being proactive uh, and, and even within the eu you know where do you think portugal sits in terms of its proactivity in dealing with these challenges I'm quite optimist. I'm, I'm optimist, or prime minister, <laughs> in a positive way. Uh, I'm quite optimist, uh, first of all, because we have this incredible resource that is the Atlantic Ocean, that is 
right in front of us. And Portugal is quite well positioned because we are in the interface between Europe and the United States and Canada and all these countries. So there are huge opportunities for working together because the problems that we have here and it might be the same that we have in Ireland or Iceland or Canada or Brazil because we share the same ocean. There are no borders in the ocean. Um, there are a lot of opportunities in terms of funding. Uh, Portugal is now starting to understand that the ocean is a huge resource that needs to be known, known and preserved. And so I think even at the national and regional North Portugal region, uh, we are getting more attention, not yet probably the one that we we would like to. Uh, at European level, there are lots of opportunities for, for funding, either at uh, Horizon Europe, Interreg Atlantic, where we have been working a lot with Ireland, many, many projects. Uh, but there is not yet, uh, I think, uh, a global understanding that we need to take the ocean uh, as, as a whole and be managed as a whole in European levels, because there is a European space agency, as you mentioned, we spend a lot of money sending uh, uh, satellites and, and getting to know, probably sending people in a few years, but we don't have an ocean agency in Europe, uh, which means that we don't work yet in a global way. And that would be probably the best way to push forward the resources, not just in terms of human resources, but also in terms of financial resources. But um, we have, as I mentioned before, very enthusiastic people, human resources, and, and Portuguese are usually quite, have a good relation with the ocean that comes from many centuries ago. I think uh, in, the, in the 15th century and 16th century, we had to go to the ocean, otherwise we had to face the Spaniards, and better facing the ocean, the unknown ocean, than the Spaniards. And uh, then we spent some centuries uh, having our back to the ocean. And I think now it's the, the time that we are the new adventurers and the, 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 the people that are, in fact, leading many of the research areas. And then we are in European projects, we are dealing uh, and we are leading many of those projects. So I think we have the resources. We just need to focus, and especially at the European government uh, area uh, have to try to, to, to create this uh, agency in order to better defend the interests of Europe in, in, in what comes with, with the ocean. Otherwise, we will have many other countries from Asia that will have the measures and the facilities to come here and exploit our ocean. And uh, Fernando, you mentioned, uh, you know, in terms of like uh, private companies. So Nassimer has been terrific in, in gener generating knowledge, but there appears to be a gap between the two. What part would do private enterprise play in, 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 in do they have a leadership role to play in this too? Yes, of course, uh, both parts, parties are, are really important. Uh, inside of the university, what I feel is one of my <coughs> last fights that, uh, that I lost in my university was to convince my colleagues that today to be a good professor uh, it's not only important to be able to produce many articles, scientific articles, but it is also important, also important to be able to do other things, such as innovation and transfer. So be related to the to the industry, to be part of a company, to participate in outside activities. It's very important. And in the other side, when I look to the to the, to our uh, Portuguese uh, um, um, industrial. Or economical 
landscape, I noticed that 99.9% of our companies are micro or medium-sized or small companies. 99.9%. And only um, we have now about today about uh, 40,000 researchers spread in the industry for 1.4 million companies. This gives you an idea of what we have to do in the other side, in the side of the companies. Because uh, uh, I would say 99% uh, of our industry is not able to, to develop uh, their own products. So it's on trading. And uh, we, when we only trade, we, we are not able to create a wealth uh, economy and, and uh, an energy-based economy. So we have to, to innovate, to produce new, new products and to be able to export them and, and to, to sell them all over the world. And this is very important to because we are in together. Much more than, than we are able to do now. If I may add, uh, in fact, in Simar, about 10 years ago, we realized that this gap had to be filled and we started to create a department that would help the researchers to protect their intellectual property. So we started to put those patents because researchers, as, as Fernand said, most of the times want to publish papers. But we showed that, that they can protect the, the, the property by a patent and then the next day they can publish because the knowledge is, is protected. And with that, we can also create spin-offs. So we started to create two spin-offs recently. And even this week, there were people here in an ideation program trying to find ways of getting their knowledge to become uh, an enterprise. Because I think we also should create our, our jobs so we don't rely only on jobs that can be offered to you. Uh, we can rely on, on our ideas that can create jobs. And that is also increasing in this younger generation. So that's why I'm also optimistic in that sense. Sometimes. There is a, a difficult period in the, in the beginning of the companies, uh, but then there are also many opportunities at national level, national level for funding in these first stages of, of the companies. Uh, and so I think that's also one of the ways that Portugal can be on the front line uh, is creating, especially in the marine biotechnology. An interest in that area, uh, you know, from, a, from a, the next generation coming through, you're optimistic about, you know, their environmental awareness and that generation that's coming through. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that, that's true because uh, that's why I think these ocean literacy programs are very important because we have to make uh, young children understand the importance of the ocean, the importance of preserving the environment because then they, they transmit that information to their parents, their grandparents, and they become aware not directly by us but via their beloved uh, ones. And in that sense, uh, I think everybody gains, and especially the environment. And as yeah. sorry, I don't can I ask a so re re regarding the, the paper, the research that you do, I mean, it's a lot of information, it's probably very scientific. And you were talking about the fact that you know, maybe the, the mass of people are not so much aware of the ocean, what's happening in the ocean. Isn't that there uh, that those papers are not actually being read by the, by the people like <coughs> and it's too much on the scientific level? Mm -hmm. 
and what can what could be done for those papers, mm -hmm. the research that you're doing, yeah. uh, to transmit that in a, in a way that people can understand yes. and, and to make people aware, not just in the scientific community. Yeah. And I don't know where the, those papers, those research, are they published in scientific, uh, universal specialized uh, media? Yeah. And actually, we should open it to the, to the general media and make it accessible and for people to understand what's happening. Oh, you are right. And, and in fact, when we write a paper, it has a specific public, which is the scientific public. Or when we go to conference, it's a very specific conference. But as I mentioned before, we have a very, uh, I would say, outreaching program for ocean literacy. What we try to do is the, the papers that we believe are should be highlighted, we try to convince the press to highlight them. Sometimes it's not easy because the press prefer tragedies and disasters and yeah. things like apart from science. But we are quite happy the, with that. The ocean could be a yes, we, we are quite happy because our our science and communication office is quite quite good in that not just in newspapers but on tv on radio so we are our target public is is there but also we do a lot of uh, open science um, conferences we do open days for instance uh, together with the port of lechons in, in the terminal building we do an open day every year which usually has to 20,000 people in a single day. We have, uh, you know, hands-on experiments, uh, lots of children, families come, and that's a way where we can translate the papers in a more common language, because most of the money that we use is public money. So we want also to give value to that money and show the people that we are not just spending money, but we are providing solutions for problems that exist. And so that is something that we really care about, is the translation of the science into, into a more common language to the general public. Yeah, it's interesting. The, like, and I think even environmental tourism, you know, like, you know, bringing people, like tourists that are very environmentally conscious, you know, I think there's probably an opportunity there too. That's true. I mean, we really thought about that, especially having the cruise ships arriving to the, to the terminal. But we do also a lot of... Uh, field work for, for, for families, for children, for, for tourists that want to understand what is in the, 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 the near ocean where they visit when they go to the beach. Usually they just see water and blue water. They look into the detail, they can see the, all the biodiversity that exists there. And we provide that type of excursion. <coughs> yeah, because it definitely offers the same, I mentioned about you know, space, space and you know, space tourism. Like there's so much more that we don't know about the ocean that is fascinating it's and even fasc more fascinating. Exactly, exactly. And not just what you can see, because usually when you speak about ocean, uh, uh, everybody that wants to work in the ocean enjoys whales or dolphins or you know these large animals. But there are a micro world that is so fascinating, and probably that's the one that will give us the best solutions in terms of biotechnology, because they have been withstanding a lot of different environments since the beginning of the world. And in that sense, uh, that's why we are really keen on looking for nature-based solutions. So many times we don't want to invent the wheel, but we just have to look into the nature and see what the nature can provide us and then replicate that in a more sustainable and technological way. That's a, a very positive way, an optimistic way of, of finishing up. Has anyone any questions or contribution?
Just a comment, uh, John Paul, which is, I mean, certainly we as a, as a network uh, will be working together in a way to help with that messaging, uh, messaging which you're trying to get across to our audience, because our audience is it's not just in, in Poland, it's people who visit the site, etc. So I think mm -hmm. that between John Paul, myself and Arnold, we'll have a conversation about how we can front and centre some of the key messages, um, which obviously um, this will be available online, but I think we can do a couple of focuses on these messages, which will then reach, we hope, a greater audience so that shared knowledge becomes suddenly a much much more shared problem and a much more shared solution as well. So, I mean, it, just to mention on the, from an Irish context, uh, I was brought up on the West Coast in, in Sligo. So spent 20 years in Dublin on the East Coast of Ireland, but all of it was drawn to the Atlantic, you know. So I, I love in Porto the, you know, the similarities that I grew up with, which is fantastic. But in Ireland, like a particularly successful campaign from a tourism point of view is the Wild Atlantic Way. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but that was an like exceptional initiative um, that actually has led to like multiple companies being set up on the west coast of Ireland in terms of like the associated tourism and knockoffs and spin-offs that have come from that initiative. It's just an example of like, you know, so many in my hometown, you know, there's like a, 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 a quite a leading, I know some of their products are on sale in Portugal and they produce like cream from seaweed, uh, you know, and, and, and that side of it. So it's probably a good learning from our own experience in Ireland of like, you know, when, when, the, when the government gets behind an initiative like that, uh, you know, it can, it, can, it can spurn a lot of new business as well. And, and, uh, so. uh, any other questions? Uh, yeah, so just touching on a little bit of what you've all been saying, and as someone who uh, just recently traveled the Wild Atlantic Way this, uh, this past summer, um, specifically, I want to bring attention to, to Galway, if any of you have ever had the pleasure of visiting that beautiful city. Uh, there's an installation there that shows, uh, especially at night, uh, the potential for sea level rise. There's a, a bar, an LED light that is along a lot of the buildings. And as a tourist, it was fascinating and drew a lot of really important attention to a subject that everybody, we're all talking about, should pay more attention to this stuff. Um, and I now I've lived in Portugal for about two years. Uh, and hearing uh, this panel today it makes me think I would love to see something like that in Portugal, something that drew that type of attention um, uh, to you know someone who is not Portuguese but lives in Portugal. Um, I feel like a lot of people could benefit from uh, those types of information being brought to the surface. Uh, uh, I don't know if Seymour has ever thought about uh, bringing that type because we're talking about um the 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 potential for bringing this type of conversation to, to young uh, ocean literacy for for the youth and the that installation in Galway doesn't matter your age you see this light and you are drawn to it you want to understand it and its significance um I feel like Portugal could really benefit from uh, things like that I wonder if Seymour has ever thought about uh, something like that I would like to know a bit more about it. thank you very much okay, we can we can arrange it I'll be interested yeah. Yeah. Good morning. I thank Arnoldo Hill and John Paul Pryor for the opportunity. Thank you for the panel. My name is Tomas Preti, and I'm a lawyer in Porto, and I manage a foreign investment in Europe, in Portugal in particular. And uh, my question would be uh, for you to 
perhaps uh, indicate and also give some insight to the uh, private investment community uh, in respect to, let's say, taxpayers' money is limited in amount, resources are limited in the sense that subsidies are also limited. Uh, where could you find and how would you see opportunities for private investment, profitable investment, uh, considering, uh, let's say, the sea economy? Let's say recycling garbage is practical, maybe profitable in that sense, but some, some insights. And as, as a matter of comparison with some actions that have been taken that are very costly, are environmentally aware, but are costly, such as subsidizing upscale cars, etc. How can we compare this with the impact of investment to clean the sea, to have private investment effectively, profitable private investment, contributing to the sea well, Thank you. Um, well, that, that, that is very good because, in fact, uh, cleaning the sea is one aspect uh, and, and it's needed. And first of all, we need to prevent that garbage uh, reaches the sea. And so upstream measures are, are important. In fact, we are now uh, dealing with a European project where we are creating a system with uh, air bubbles that can be put uh, at the estuaries of rivers that can bring up the garbage, especially plastic garbage, and then collect it. And then, of course, that garbage can be used for making sneakers or making textiles. Uh, there are already the technology, it's available, uh, and there are some, some companies already starting to produce this type of, of products. Um, another way is uh, the applications of marine biotechnology, as I mentioned before. There are a lot of interests. Uh, I would say that pharmaceuticals, of course, is, is very important, but it takes a lot of time if you want to have a product in the market. 20 years probably is the, the minimum. And in terms of investment, sometimes it's not easy because you won't get a profit in, in, the, in the coming years. But other areas, as, as it was mentioned before, cosmetics, one of our spin-offs works in cosmetics. And now everybody wants to have you know, green products, uh, vegan products coming from, from the ocean. Um, also uh, nutraceuticals, because it's, uh, it has a very specific market, um, not just uh, sportists and, 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 and people that do a lot of exercise, but also vegans, families, uh, children. Um, uh, we are also working on, on aspects related to anti-fouling paints, bio-based paints for ships, because nowadays the ship industry is still very pollutant in that aspect. Most of the paints are uh, biocides coming from, from, uh, from heavy metals. And we are now testing here in the Arbos of Lichoins a, a solution coming from marine organisms that can be used also to prevent the fouling. So I would say that uh, there are a lot of opportunities. And sometimes, as I mentioned before, we create the, the startups. And then there is a problem of this gap between uh, the beginning of the startup and then the promotion of the product and, and put in the market. So that, that will be probably one of, of the good solutions. We have a, a, a science and innovation uh, office that deals with this communication, so we can also talk about, about that in, in, the, in the break. But there are a lot of opportunities. And of course, aquaculture, as I mentioned before. Uh, Portugal 
is not as good as, for instance, Galicia in the north of Spain, because we don't have a coast that is facilitating offshore aquaculture, but we can have inshore aquaculture with recirculating systems, which is better because it doesn't spend a lot of water and, uh, and we need this type of solutions, but also uh, solutions that can be uh, or co-create uh, solutions, for instance, with uh, other industries that will be installed in, in, in the ocean, like uh, uh, wind industry, probably Pial will be talking about that afterwards. But uh, we can we can have uh, together um, some uses of the ocean together with aquaculture, and that would be a possibility also of, of investment because Portugal has, especially if you go to depths of about twenty to fifty meters, we have a good solution for aquaculture. Apart from a day, of course, that is naturally good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And CIMA can be a great partner for catalyzing this discussion yes, with yes, the private investors. Exactly, because we have also not just uh, in in house, but we got we also have contacts outside. So if you have different areas that we are interested in, we can show you the way. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Just a complimentary remark. What I find, what I found uh, in Portugal in our uh, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, startup environment, let us say is that we are more or less well prepared for the first uh, uh, investment. We have several, uh, for instance, uh, uh, capital venture, venture capital societies that are able to uh, follow the, <coughs> the, the needs of the small companies that are emerging and helping them in the first uh, years of their lives. What we are uh, what, what is lacking, lacking very much, it's what we call the second investment. When the company was ready to, 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 to uh, um, um, overpass uh, uh, the first years, when it was ready to, to show that it's able to, to sell, then it needs normally a second round of investment to, to, to grow. And we are not ready for that. It is very difficult at that point to find the, the investment because we are not in in, uh, in the US, we are not in other countries. In Germany, when I find uh, found this company, I was in in, uh, in the United States. I, I visited the leader, the world leader of small submarines, Triton submarines in Florida, and I realized it was a, um, a small uh, warehouse of let us say six hundred square square meters with no more than fifteen persons working inside. And I thought, if they are able to do it here, why are not uh, we able to do that in Portugal or, or, or any other place? We have the persons, we have the skills, we have the, the land, we, have, we are capable of putting together 20 persons. Of course, I was optimistic. What we are lacking here, we are needing here, is the global environment that they have it, and we don't have here. Mm -hmm. So the first round of investment is quite clean. Is easy to, to get. The second is quite impossible to get. Yeah. I, I think that was a really interesting, informative discussion. Uh, lots of opportunities. I think you know you you guys are producing the knowledge base from which like entrepreneurship needs to take a lead. You know, and um, so yeah. With that, we might finish up the yeah. first panel yeah. and, and move on. Thanks a million for your thanks for your uh, contributions. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pink Room.
For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.